morning and welcome to West Seattle Christian Church. Pastor Worth here. Uh, if you're new, welcome. If not, welcome back. We're glad that you're here. Uh, normally, uh, on this last Sunday of the year, can't believe that's really here, the last sun Sunday of 2020, normally on this day, uh, our church takes a Sabbath rest and we don't have services in person on our church campus. Um, we give all the volunteers the weekend off, the staff has the weekend off, and it's a, it's a statement that we are taking a day of rest to put our trust in our Creator and move into the new year with expectation that He is with us um, and that we can trust Him for what lies ahead and we can do our work well from a position of restedness. Now, that's really hard for a lot of us to do, especially uh, when we want to work towards a, a new year that brings a lot of good change. Um, to do that, though, uh, this year, we want to have something special for you. Mark Reinhardt and Donna Austin are going to come in just a moment and join me and do a special Christmas reading, and then we're going to talk about it together for a little bit. My hope is that this is an encouraging way for you to think about this past year and then move into the new year uh, with hope, with an expectation that God has good things for all of us, in store for all of us. And um, my prayer would be that you would be able to see what he's up to and join him in it and participate with him, with him, doing the things that Jesus would do for the reasons that he did them and feel empowered uh, to do those things as well. So sit back and relax as you hear from Mark and Donna right now, this special reading from Annie Dillard and enjoy. I'll see you on the other side. Happy holidays to our church family. We hope everyone had a wonderful Christmas. We can't be together this year, but we'd like to offer you a short story. It's a Christmas story. It's called The World in a Bowl of Soup, a Christmas story by Annie Dillard. Be warned, neither Santa nor Scrooge make an appearance. There are no elves or ghosts of Christmas past, present, or future, and the Magi never show up. George Bailey does not have a wonderful life, and Tiny Tim does not say, God bless us, everyone. At first glance, this story may not be easy to understand. It is a metaphorical story where one thing is symbolized or represented by something else. Jesus in his parables did this all the time, of course, when he spoke of the shepherd and the sheep or the good Samaritan or even the prodigal son. So as you hear this story, think about that and think about the following things. First, who is represented by the young man? Second, who would the old man be like? Third, what does the hall and the long table symbolize? And finally, and not least, what's so special about a bowl of soup? Once there was a great feast held in a banquet hall of such enormous proportions that you could not believe men built such a thing. 2,000 chandeliers hung from the ceiling. Lumber cut from all the world's forests made the walls and particolor floor. Great loose areas of the hall were given to various activities. There were dances and many kinds of gaming. A corner was devoted to the sick and injured and another to the weaving of cloth. Children chanted rhymes wherever they gathered, and young men sought pretty girls in greenhouses or behind the damask hangings of booths and stalls. 
The feast lasted all night long. Guests sat at a table as long as a river that stretched down the middle of the hall. No one cloth could cover such a table, nor could one centerpiece suffice. So the table was decorated in hundreds of different themes with different combinations of colors and kinds of tableware, with various carved figures and various drinks, and with lively musicians in costume playing to each set of guests a special music. There was only a single course served to the guests, but that was a soup made of so many ingredients it seemed to contain all other dishes. The soup was served continuously, all night long, and there were so many guests that the places at the table were always taken, and the benches always full when the servants ladled the soup into the endlessly decorated array of metal, glass, wood, and pottery bowls. Now, the host of this feast was a young man of tremendous wealth and power, who stood behind a curtain on a balcony above the great hall, and watched the guests as they ate and drank at the long table. He thought, hmm, all night long, people have been eating as much soup as they wanted and then coming back to the table for more. It is good that they enjoy themselves, but not one person has really seen or understood the excellence of that soup. So the host parted the curtain a crack more and let his gaze fall. It fell directly on an old man who happened to be sitting at the table in his line of vision, looking about and thinking of nothing. At once, the old man felt an overwhelming sense of power and impact as if his spirit had been struck broadside and wakened to a flood of light. He bowed his head and saw through charged eyes his bowl of soup had come alive and was filled to endless depths with wonderful things. There were green fields in his soup bowl, with carrots growing one by one in slender rows. As he watched transfixed, men and women in bright vests and scarves came and pulled the carrots one by one out of the soil and carried them in baskets to shaded kitchens where they scrubbed them with yellow brushes under running water. He saw white-faced cattle lowing and wading in rivers with dust on the world and curly white hair between their ears. He saw tomatoes in kitchen gardens set out as seedlings by women in plaid shirts and by strong-handed men. And he watched the tomatoes as before his eyes the light from the sun blew each one up like a balloon. Cells on the root hairs of beans swelled and divided, and squashes grew spotted and striped in the fall. Wine aged in caves, and the barrel maker went home to his wife through sunlight and shade. He saw the ocean, and he seemed to be in the ocean himself, swimming over orange crabs that looked like coral, or off the deep Atlantic banks where whitefish school. Or again, he saw the tops of poplars and the whole sky brushed with clouds and pallid streaks which under which wild ducks with outstretched necks flew and called one by one. All these things the old man saw in his soup. Scenes grew in depth and sunlit detail under his eyes and were replaced by ever more scenes until with the flight of wild ducks 
the world resolved into one blue sky, now streaked, now clear, and at last into soup again, dark soup fragrant in its bowl. The host had let the curtain fall. The man blinked and moved his head from side to side. I see now, he said to himself, that this is truly excellent soup. Praise God. And he ate his bowl full and joined the dancers in a daze, a kind of very energetic daze. Perhaps you perceive Jesus as a young man. Our faith is the hall and table, and yourself is the old man, and the unfathomable depths of God's love is the long hall and the long table. Perhaps you perceive Jesus as the young man. Our faith is the hall and table. Yourself is the old man, and the unfathomable depths of God's love in a bowl of soup. Or perhaps you interpreted it in your own way. There are no wrong or right answers. Each of us may be at a different part of the table, and each of us may be observing what's in our own bowl of soup. We're in for a treat now. Pastor Worth will share his thoughts, point out possible meanings, and a few thought-provoking biblical parallels. You're probably thinking right now, as Mark and Donna said, what does this short story have to do with Christmas? And maybe even what is that? What does it have to do with God or Jesus or even me? I think, I think if you're having that thought, that's perfect, to be honest, because if that's how you feel, you feel exactly like the first followers of Jesus, uh, how they felt when he launched into one of his, one of his teachings or parables. This story by Annie Dillard, as Mark explained, is a parable where every character and every object, every line has a deeper meaning that's trying to convey something of the heart of God. And Mark is right to ask, where do you see yourself in this story? And where is God in this story? Well, to keep this short or shorter, I want to suggest that this story is really about the difference between looking and seeing. And in case you don't think that's important, it really is. It matters. We, we look at and see things all the time, but there's a difference between the two. Looking means uh, to let your eyes fall upon or acknowledge the presence of something. Seeing is not just looking at an object, but paying attention to it and understanding it. In other words, we can look at things and at people without really seeing them. And that's an important distinction to make. You can watch the news, whether you think it's fake or not. And since much of the news is about people, basically all of it is about people in one way or another, you can breeze through it in an abstract, unfeeling, uncaring way, where you're just looking and not seeing. You are hearing, but not listening. And the worst part is that that kind of malaise when it comes to news consumption, it can trickle into your personal real life interactions with other people, the people who matter most to you. You can look through them. You can look past them. You can hear them, but not really listen to them. In other words, you can say that you love them, but not demonstrate any true compassionate care for them. The Christmas story is, is a Christmas story because it's really asking us to take a look. It's asking us to really listen. And this is exactly what it's all about. 
And this is important to ponder for a moment, just a few days after we celebrate Christmas each year, because you can rush through it and be looking and hearing, but not really stopping to consider with wonder and amazement what Emmanuel, God with us, really means. Looking is a passive action in, in, in its real sense. You can also be searching for something in the sense for looking for something, but once you've found it, to understand it, you have to really see it. Seeing is a more participatory action. Seeing involves perceiving, and perception means recognizing and then having real knowledge. This matters, because to truly see something means acknowledging and paying attention. And then it goes further, because seeing means having insight past the obvious, that you can actually take the time to revel in what you've found, to enjoy what you have discovered. Like when you see people in art museums just staring intently at a painting for hours, like Cameron in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I've always wondered what those people are doing, how they can, how they can do that. The answer is they are looking until they truly see. They're trying to perceive. As they pay attention, they're seeing with true insight. And then they are able to revel and enjoy what they revel in and enjoy what they've discovered. So this is the old man's reaction when he really truly sees the bowl of soup and what it represents. This is what Annie Dillard wants us to come to grips with. This is why she titled this work subtitle as A Christmas Story. She wants you to ask why, why'd she do that? And then she wants you to look until you see. She wants you to move from observation to perception. And this is why Jesus told parables. He wants us to engage on a deeper level because he knew that once you see, once you truly see, then you'll particip participate and then revel in and enjoy the kind of life that he really lived. So there's a challenge here, and I challenge you to take a look now at uh, Luke chapter 14, verses 7 through 24. There's a couple of parables there, um, and you can do that right now. You can pause. You can do it when you're finished after this and, and, and just take a look at it. And I'm challenging you to do that because just watching this and thinking a bit about what Mark and Donna read and what I'm saying to you right now is just a little bit too much just like looking and not really seeing. Seeing involves a little bit more, like I said earlier. It involves a deeper effort. And so I do wonder if Annie Dillard had these two parables in Luke 14 in mind just a bit when she wrote her, about her bowl of soup story. So I challenge you to read them. At the end of those parables, in Luke chapter 14, verse 34, and in other places, Jesus ends his message by saying, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Someone once said that hearing is through the ears, but listening is through the mind. I would add that listening is not just through the mind, but it's also through your heart. And that this really matters. And just to go a little deeper into this, when Jesus says this phrase after these unique parables, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. He is alluding, as he almost always does, to ancient Jewish teaching from the Old Testament. And in this instance, uh, it's the root word for hear that's important, because the root word for hear is Shema. And the Shema is also the name of the most famous uh, of Jewish prayers found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. The first part of which says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. So let me paraphrase Jesus' words from Luke 14 with that in mind. He's saying, hello, y'all hear me? Are you really listening? The Shema basically says that true listening, true seeing, and not just looking, involves obedience. There's things to be done. Basically, Jesus says, can you hear? Can you hear me? Maybe you can, but are you truly listening? 
If you are, then be like servants because that's true leadership. And you aren't really being a gracious, loving host unless you're inviting the least of these to share life alongside you. Jesus throwing a party that's based on listening to and truly seeing what the king is up to. And the king loves everyone. And that's why Annie Dillard's soup story is a Christmas story, because the king deigns that we should be invited to his house. The king wants us to enjoy his party. The king wants us to sit at his table and to feed us. Not only that, the king wants to feed us the best, which really we can hardly fathom what the best is when you think about it. In and through Jesus, God incarnate, Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, the king has become like us. That's Christmas. Have you been listening? Have you truly seen what's up or have you missed it? Can you say to King Jesus, yeah, I hear you. And if you answered yes, then I think you're in the perfect spot to move into 2021 with a new vision. And man, do we need a new vision. It's not like moving into 2021 will magically just erase all of the hardships of 2020. The twin pandemics and the division and the hate will all still be here. And we will have to work as Jesus did to bring love to bear in all of these contexts. Persecution and division and racism and poverty and evil reigned in the time of Jesus when he came into the world. And that's why it's so remarkable that he even stepped into this world. He stepped in not just to say, but to demonstrate in the most profound way that he is with us, that we are not alone, that you are not alone. And he showed us how to navigate this imperfect world, a world full of darkness, he showed us how to shine like stars and to light a path for others all around us. And ultimately, he did that through the cross. And that's why at Christmas, we often cite the old saying that the cradle and the cross are made out of the same wood. Jesus didn't come to be wrapped up in cute, cuddly, swaddling clothes and coo and giggle at us. He lived a life of love and servant leadership and in the face of far more than we have ever endured, to be honest. And voluntarily, he chose to go to the cross on our behalf. And so I'm going to wrap this up by saying we're going to move toward our communion time, where we remember that sacrifice and all that it means for us. Not just to hear, but to also obey, to see and perceive and understand with deeper knowledge why Jesus came. And that he's not just calling us to affirm our belief in him during communion. He's not calling us just to do that, but to live out our lives the way that he lived his, to do the things he did for the reasons that he did them. And that's the only way that light will dawn in the most true and real sense in 2021 and in 2022 and in 2023 and throughout all time. That's how it will happen. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's remember him now. Now that we've spent some time remembering Jesus and the Christmas story and looking deeper about how we can truly see and hear uh, the message of Christmas, because let's face it, most of us probably did a little bit of rushing through the season I want to leave you with a benediction, which is what we normally do at the end of our service each week. And this is really just a, an encouragement for you from Scripture 
to remember who God is and that he's with you. And so I'm going to leave you with uh, this benediction scripture from Ephesians chapter 3. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and how high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.